I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to another edition of Life Behind Bars. I'm Noah Rothbaum, the Daily Beast Half Full Editor. Joining me as always is my colleague and co-host, David Weintrich. How are you, Dave? Hanging in there. One day at a time, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, today's topic is something that's very important to both of us. Hard to talk about cocktails and spirits without talking about Manhattans and also martinis. The fraternal twins at the head of the roster of mixed drinks, let's say. Absolutely. Like holding up, you know, like the supports, I feel like that almost hold up, you know, cocktails and spirits. Yeah, the pillars of Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Before I really even knew anything about cocktails and spirits, right? You know about martinis, you know about Manhattans, right? At least you've heard of them. You've probably tried Seen them in movies, you know. Exactly. James Bond is yeah. mixing it up, but we're not going to get into that um, whole shake it not stir thing in this episode. That's not necessary. So, We'll save that for later. Uh, yeah. We've done one on the history of the Manhattan, the modern history, and sort of debunking Churchill's, um, the theory that Churchill's mother invented or had the drink invented for her. Kind of funny. I mean, it's like when you come into this, you know, and, and even the way that we talk about modern cocktails, you know, the martini is on one side of the cocktail party and the Manhattan's on the other side, right? And, yeah, which, and, is, know, which is, is funny if you go back to the origins because, uh, you know, the earliest, the earliest mention of Manhattan as it has a whiskey drink, in, and that's in 1882 in a letter from New York that was syndicated in a bunch of small rural newspapers. It turns up in just weird places all at the like end of August 1882. And that's, you know, it says there's a new cocktail, the Manhattan cocktail with whiskey and vermouth. Okay, the second mention of it comes from, I believe, Chicago or uh, maybe second or third. And it mentions that there's this new cocktail, the Manhattan cocktail, made with gin and vermouth. And you're like, wait a minute, that's not a Manhattan, that's a martini. Right. And it, it's right. really kind of head-scratching. But you gotta, you got to do a lot of uh, clearing away modern ideas about this stuff. And, and you'll get back to the origins, and, and you know, you got to remember, they didn't really have uh, dry vermouth. There was the only kind of vermouth that was widely available uh, at the time was the Italian kind that was new and right. and, and sexy. And red sweet vermouth, yeah. Yeah, sweet vermouth. And uh gin in America was uh usually the uh Dutch style. That was the most popular style. The English stuff was just coming in in, in the eighteen eighties and just getting popular. So and, and Dutch Dutch gin is basically flavored whiskey. And have you ever tried like Geneva with Italian vermouth, uh, you know, with red vermouth and bitters. It's very, very close to Manhattan. You know, if somebody shoves it over a bar, I would think it was a whiskey drink. I mean, that's the funny thing about, I think, both the Manhattan and the Martini is that, like, we become so militant, right, yeah. as to what they are, right? The definition. Yeah, they become religion. 
right. Where, where people will fight you, you know, yeah. like they'll smash a bottle over your head if you give yeah. them the wrong proportion of gin and vermouth or, you know, uh, too much, you know, sweet vermouth and not enough whiskey, whatever it is, you know, and it's, you know, they have ratios and droppers and calculations. Oh, I mean, for some and, people, the idea that you could put sweet vermouth in a martini is like, right. you know, it, it's like saying it's not a Holy Trinity. There were actually four of them. You know, right. I mean, it just, it breaks their brains. It's like, you know, there's heresy. I mean, the most amazing thing is you go back, right, you know, to the time that you're talking about when, you know, sort of this primordial stew of all cocktails, right? And you have some Manhattans and some martinis that have more vermouth than spirits, right? Yeah. I and mean, then you have like reverse ones, right? Where we mm-hmm. call reverse now. And you have ones that combine sweet and dry vermouth when, when dry comes. You have ones that, you know, I mean, basically it's, it's it's way more the definitions are way more flexible for both drinks than we you know we we think about them now almost to the point where they i mean i think both martini and, and manhattan drinkers are on the edge of their seat about what i'm gonna yeah. say but, but <laughs> i mean like, in some know, ways either way you're gonna be in trouble put it that way right i mean I, i'm gonna offend both people so i'll just take the middle road i mean in in many ways it's the same drink I mean, that's the, I mean, that's the yeah, crazy it's, thing. It's spirits and vermouth. And, uh, you know, the spirits are different, but both like fairly dry. Rye is fairly dry. Gin is dry. Gin's spicier, of course, in its way. But, you know, uh, and you, you can shade the, the gin, the martini, and most people do, to a very dry drink using dry vermouth, et cetera. But uh, th- I learned this during the lo-fi lush hour when I was doing that, which, you know, I, I've written about for the beast yeah. uh, when for the first uh, 11 weeks of uh, quarantine in this uh, hell year of 2020, I made a drink every day and posted it on Twitter, and uh, including step-by-step photographed instructions. And a lot of people uh, who are cocktail geeks were following it, but a lot of them had only tried like the sweet Manhattan. Uh, they'd only tried a very dry martini, and I made them dr- try a wet martini, you know, it was like the drink right. of the day today is basically a wet martini. And they were like, huh? Yeah. I mixing glass didn't shatter. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, when I poured I was able the, to uh, finish vermouth this. In, into right. the gin, it didn't explode, or I should say the gin into the vermouth. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, there was no poison gas that, that killed my dog. I mean, right. it was, it was, it was fine. And I tasted it. I actually might have another, like, yeah. you know, and it was a perfectly good drink. And that was the original martini, you know, it was like, okay, it has sweet right. vermouth, but the gin is dry and it's, it's fine. And the same, you know, I, I'm not thrilled with the combination of American whiskey and, and dry vermouth, but I'll drink a perfect Manhattan, uh, which is yeah. equal parts dry and sweet. And even though, though I'm not thrilled with it, it's not the worst thing in the world, but really one of the earliest drink stories I ever worked on was a story probably, I don't know, 18 years ago, let's say, right? Where we're doing a expert's guide, right? For where I worked at Smart Money, the Wall Street Journal's magazine, it was like, a, and we were asking all these experts for their advice, right? So I said, I was wise enough at the time to say, you know what, I'm going to call Dale DeGroff. There you, you go. Know, and I'm going to ask him how to make the perfect Manhattan, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, and they're like, yeah, love this, you know, and, you know, obviously, I mean, at the time there weren't that many other people you could have called for that really, right? So called Dale, Dale's happy enough to do it, gives me the recipe, right? Right up the short, you know, piece, it's not even that long, maybe a hundred words, 200 words, beautiful photo of Dale and his uh, 
Rainbow Room Finest. You oh, know, the red jacket. Red, vel- <laughs> red velvet tuxedo jacket. Yeah. Um, story, you know, everything is done. It's in pages. You know, this is back in the day when you actually got pages mm-hmm. at your desk. And uh, one of the guys in production said, hey, uh, hey, man, um, you know, you, you call it, you know, how to make the perfect Manhattan. But I, I think that's actually a different drink. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, like that's a different drink. And it's like, I'm like, all right, I'll call Dale. Like, what can I do? You know, mm-hmm. uh, let me double check. Like, I'll put this, I'll put this to bed right now. Right. <laughs> it's like, call Dale. It's like, hey, man, uh, is uh, the perfect Manhattan different than a Manhattan? It's like, oh, yeah, that's like when you use sweet and dry vermouth. I was like, uh, sure enough. Like, like, okay. So we switched the headline to the ideal Manhattan. But, but at the time, it was such a, like, a, I would have bet like all the money in the world that there was no other, you know, that some drink that called for sweetened dry vermouth and whiskey. You know what I mean? It was just like inconceivable to me at the time. Yeah. You know? I mean, and, that and was, that was an old timers drink, you know, it was, Oh uh, yeah. I'm uh, not sure how Mike remembered it, but like, it was one of these things where it was just, you know, and even after I was like, yeah, nobody would have caught that. Like, that's not a real trick. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, the luxury <laughs> of having a fact checking department, you know, yeah, I mean, this guy, this guy was, in fact, he was like a production. Oh, geez, okay. like he, he just somehow, it, yeah. it had gotten to that point where, you know, somehow he knew. But um, it's just funny. I think it's, you know, as, as the more militant we've gotten as the cocktail revolution, you know, has, has taken oh, off. People have you know, gotten about, so picky, picky, picky about their cocktails. Right. And, and it's, you know, and sometimes there's no historical yeah, precedent. Yeah. <laughs> and again, you know, and this is another thing I learned from doing. The, the, the lo-fi lush hour is, you know, I'd post recipes and people would say, well, you know, I didn't know you could make this drink without using this one brand. And it's like, right. well, of course you can. If you don't right. have that brand, use another brand, you right. know, exactly. not the end of the world. Right. I mean, <laughs> but people are, people, the, the sort of drink education has gotten so branded and, uh, you know, partly because that's how, who gets the stories placed. That, yeah, that or or just really... that's how it. Yeah, or that's how you know some of the old brands have such an iconic lock on you know, uh, you know the lore and stuff. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, you don't even think about it. And it, I mean, I think it, people, you know, I you know, I remember talking to our old beloved friend Gary Regan about this years ago. Um, you know, about whether or not to jigger, and you know, and mm-hmm. he, he he sent me a like a very strongly worded note, but but in the Gary, you know, very avuncular manner yeah, yeah, where yeah. I didn't I didn't feel insulted but I knew he was passionate about like how like telling somebody to you know use like a, like a set amount of like lime juice is wrong because your lime will vary from day to day and like you can't you know you can't do that and like I was like what yeah <laughs> like, what are you yeah, talking I mean, about that's that's, that's like, sort of the higher knowledge there you know is right the that's next level yeah. I, I mean you was talking about this years ago and and you know and you know, we've talked about this before, but the, the words Carlton on Central Park South, Norman uh, Bukowski, yeah, um, he would, you know, his signature is the Manhattan. But like, you know, you'd, you'd want to write about Norman, you say, and Gary, of course, was the one who told me about Norman. Um, and you'd say, Norman, like, I want to write about your Manhattan. Give me a recipe. You'd say, uh, no. <laughs> what do you mean, Norman? Like, no, can't have it. Like, why? Why can't I have your Manhattan recipe? Like, I just saw you make it. Like, yeah. Well, how could I give it to you? What do you mean? Like, why, you know, depending upon what whiskey you want, I'll put a different vermouth, like different ratio, man. Like you can't just like, there's no set, you know, that works with every whiskey and every vermouth. And I was like, and every bitter, you know, it's like, 
Oh, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, but that's, you know, that's the, that is, that is the higher level of bartending that, that gets beyond kind of patterns. I mean, patterns are useful, you know, like the standard pattern for Manhattan is two, one, two, uh, New York. Easy to remember. Right. Two right. ounces rye. Uh, you know, you can use bourbon, it turns out, which works fine. <laughs> It's very popular out. in some circles. But, uh, I've been told. I've been but, told. But, you know, uh, I think the more, more important thing is it should be high enough proof that, yeah. uh, that, that it, uh, it, it cuts through the vermouth. So it would be two ounces of whiskey, uh, one ounce of vermouth, and two dashes of Angostura bitter, right? And yeah. that works uh, with most vermouths. Yeah, yeah most I'd say whiskeys, so. But yeah. it could use adjustment sometimes if your whiskey is lower in proof. Absolutely. If it's like 80 proof. You might want to uh, up the whiskey by a quarter ounce, and maybe cut back on the vermouth. If you're, uh, you know, if you're using a different bitters, it's going to be different. You know, the, the spiciness will be different. You might want to play with it. If you're using bourbon, I wouldn't use uh, Martini and Rossi, standard, you know, bar grade vermouth. I would use Cinzano, which has a little more bitterness right. to cut the softness of the bourbon. You know, and there's all kinds of stuff like that that that, that comes into it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Well, then that's why when you look back at the family tree of the Martini in Manhattan, you realize like it's a lot of gray, right? I mean, it's yeah. not so much black and white, but it's, you know, and not to mention, as you so astutely pointed out in one of your columns, I think last year or 10 years ago, how, I mean, <laughs> whatever <laughs> it all blends is, together, is, Noah. But you had said, um, you know, look, it's, you know, back in the day, you know, people, would would hear somebody order a cocktail, right? Or uh, you know, or bartender would hear somebody shout across a crowded bar, and you'd hear, you know, you see all these not only versions of the recipes, but even the name, right? Where you have Martini and Martinez and Martinez and like yes, things M A R T I G N Y, right? You know, all types of weird variations. How do you Martini? <laughs> right, where people are yelling and bartenders are, you know, they're yelling how to make it or they're seeing it, but they're not. So it's like all types of weird versions of the Manhattan and the Martini, but the more gray, the less, the less different they appear. It's like yeah. we've put two like, you know, like we're in like CSI or something and I've put two shoe prints over each other, you know, like a uh, like transparency of both and we projected it on the wall and it's like a perfect I mean, match. I know? could definitely mix up uh, gin, vermouth and bitters uh, in several different versions along with whiskey, vermouth and bitters and put it in a blind tasting and people would have trouble telling them apart. You know, right. you, you can definitely do that. It depends on the gin you're using, depends on the vermouth, the bitters, proportions, et cetera. But, but really you could see why, and the color doesn't even help. You know, yeah, uh, a lot true. of gin was a, was a little on the yellow side. A lot of the yeah. whiskey was kind of light looking. There are a lot of cocktails, I and mean, we've talked about families of drinks before. You know, mm -hmm. the sours and the daisies, and you know, obviously the margarita and you know uh, the daiquiri are very similar, right, in formula. But you're not going to really confuse the daiquiri with the margarita, right? You know what I mean? Like, right. there's Although, something you know. 
So it sometimes uh, it's surprising how close cocktails can get. Not a daiquiri and a margarita, but you know things like the sidecar and yeah, you know, and yeah. Well, that's yeah. true. I mean, you're right. I mean, the the Martini in Manhattan aren't the only example, but it it is weird where you have two drinks that seemingly are so different. The recipes are seemingly so different. Everything about them, the culture, the yeah. you know, the way that we perceive them. And then you you mix it up and and you're right. It's like you have two glasses and it's well very it comes similar. from the same impulse, you know. Right. That's back around uh, and it starts sometime in the 1870s, as far as I can tell. America is getting much more industrialized and life is moving faster. The Civil War is is past. The standard American cocktail was basically two ounces of straight whiskey with with a a spoonful of uh, sugar syrup and some bitters, you know, uh, stirred up. And that's a that's like a Sazerac, which, as you know, yeah. or old fashioned. Yeah. Yeah. Another another debate that we could talk. Yeah. About. Oh, yeah. But those drinks <laughs> for a different episodes yeah. are strong. Yeah. Especially if you're drinking them fast, which you were. You know, a cocktail wasn't something you lingered over. And the whiskey was high proof. Yeah, I mean, it was it's... high proof whiskey and and it was strong. And so so people were, were looking for something. And starting in the 1870s, you start to see people had this light bulb idea is they taste this vermouth stuff and they go, you know, that stuff's got a lot of flavor. It's not thin like wine. It's got, it kind of tastes like spirits. Yeah. You know, it's thick and kind of rich tasting. But at the same time, uh, it's only got like 20% alcohol, not 50%. And what if we use that instead, exactly. of, instead of whiskey? And they try that with bitters and stir it up. And they go, okay, that's okay. But, you know, it needs a little kick to it. What if we mix it? You know, and so they, they start mixing whiskey or gin. It doesn't matter. It's like, let's cut right. the vermouth with some booze. <laughs> you know? You see rum versions at the same time and, and brandy versions. There's the Metropole cocktail with brandy, right. vermouth, and bitters uh, from the 1880s. It's just delicious. I mean, that's my theory of distilling, right? Where everybody, they, they, everybody wants to make alcohol right? and they just make it from whatever they have, right? Yeah. So whether it's potatoes or grain or corn or rye, whatever it is, that's kind of the same thing with cocktails where it's like, if you give me three bottles, we're going to mix them in different proportions yeah. till we find something that tastes good. I mean, and, it's, and, that's, you know, I've got this also a, kind of a sub theory to that is that drinks don't become popular until they fill a need. Yeah. You know? And, and that idea of, of like lightening the cocktail was, was around for a while, but really in the 1880s, it, it was needed. You know, people were drinking cocktails in the morning before going to work and stuff. And they were just too strong for, for everyday use. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily recommend drinking cocktails <laughs> at 8 a.m. before right. going to work. Although, have I done it? Well, maybe I right. have. And uh, well, I, But also sometimes your job necessitates. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, I'm not. As being... your editor, I'd be disappointed, Dave, if you weren't <laughs> yeah. occasionally having to have to. It has happened. But I mean, I, like it happens. I'm not, you know, I'm not. Uh, no, I'm no, not, not on our, a cable no. car or anything like that. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. Driving a freight train. No, um, or, or you know, I'm not the under assistant vice president of sales, you know? No, no, no. So, Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, but uh, it really, that idea kind of, kind of really caught on because people needed that, that 
that cocktail. There's also the bamboo cocktail, which is even lighter right. because it uh, instead of whiskey, it uses sherry. That works too. And that's, that's all from the same time. It's all this idea that we love our cocktails, but we need them to be a little more civilized. And that's the beginning of modern mixology, you know, as you've got yeah. the martini, the Manhattan, and, and that whole family of drinks. And well, also, I mean, you know, we've talked about this on previous episodes too, but at the same, at that time, you know, not all whiskey was, you know, wonderful or pure no. oh, or God, uncut. No. So that like adding something that also had flavor on mm-hmm. its own that might, you know, make up for the lack of flavor or, you know, whatever God knows what was added to the, some of the whiskeys back yeah. then. <laughs> Make it a little bit more palatable, maybe make it a little bit more, you know, of, of a drink. Also, to, unlike to the whiskey, which was sold in barrels, uh, the, the vermouth came in sealed bottles. Right. You know, that was important. Yeah. People could so trust that, it. You know, it's like, okay, this exactly. is a trusted mixer. You know, I, I see the sealed bottle there. I see it says, you know, Martini and Sola was the big brand that became Martini and Rossi. There was also Cinzano there. There was Cora. You know, there were a bunch of these. Uh, French vermouth starts coming in, and uh, you've got a bunch of brands. And, uh, you know, all, all in the last uh, quarter of the, of the 19th century. And, uh, but they were, they, were, they were trustable, you know. And you start to see bottled whiskey as well, uh, which was yeah, important. Yeah, 1870, yeah, yeah, exactly. But really until the turn of the century or so, it, it starts to come out. But, yeah, I mean, bar, bars used to buy stuff by the barrel and bottle their own. Uh, which you know uh, some of the bars that we uh love uh these days would would get away with that and do a fine job uh other bars that we like to drink (laughs) in uh i would not trust them to do that and i would stick to bottled beer and uh some change for the jukebox please (laughs) exactly my hope for this this episode is that we don't divide people further but but that Maybe if we can bring Martini and Manhattan drinkers together, yeah. right, over, over the same mixing glass to understand that the two drinks are more in common than, you know, than people understand. And that, yeah. like, if they can agree upon, you know, the fact that they can see that their friend who always drinks a Martini, you know, isn't that really different than, than what they're drinking in, in themselves, and then we've, we've accomplished something. I mean, just try it, you know, try it. Try. Yeah. Try a uh, try a perfect Manhattan. Try a dry Manhattan with dry vermouth. Right. You might like it. I don't care for it, but you know that's just me. Try yeah. a uh, uh, try a sweet martini with sweet vermouth. You might find it delightful. Uh, I certainly do, and you know I don't have them all the time, but every once in a while I'll make that, and boy does it hit the spot, you know. And uh, there, it's fine. It's just drinks. <laughs> and and in a hundred years, who the hell knows what people will think of Martini or Manhattan is? Yeah, you know, <laughs> who knows what or or they think that we'll have been putting into it. You know, somebody will discover some recipe that calls for like pucker or something, and everybody will think that yeah, is darkly think the water, accurate. Well, the watermelon martini was the dominant uh, martini right. <laughs> in the early twenty first century. <laughs> you know. Some, Signature some, cocktail of uh, one David Weintrich. <laughs> right. um, his Brooklyn house would, was known for his elegant watermelon martinis on a hot summer day. <laughs> um, oh, God help us. I think it's time that we mix up perhaps both Manhattans and martinis tonight or one of each. Or well, a little a one of each is, is a fine way yeah. to go. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and basically, if you... Once you already have the vermouth, you might as well make one of each. That's yeah. what I always say. You so, can't fly uh, on one wing, I always say. 
love it. I love it. Well, well, on that note, this this ship that's powered by martinis in Manhattan uh, will uh, touch down in, uh, again in a couple of weeks with another episode of Luck Behind Motors. In the meanwhile, cheers. <laughs> Dave and I encourage you to drink responsibly always. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.